Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. I know it's been a little while, we kind of took the summer off, Uh, there was a lot of things going on, but with September here, with fall being here, I felt it was a really good time to get back into the podcasting studio. I don't have anything fancy. It's literally just out of my apartment, but it's uh, just just the phrase that came to mind uh, at this time. And the other reason why I felt that it was really important to have this episode come out right around September 30th for anyone who is in Canada, Canadian, you may or may not know that September 30th was made the official day of truth and reconciliation, um, at least the last, I believe this is the second year that it's been um, officially recognized within Canada. And when you think about the history of our relationships with our Indigenous communities within Canada, when I say our, I, I forget if I've mentioned this before, I can say our because I am part Indigenous, but if you are someone who is non-Indigenous, you would not say our Indigenous. That's actually not the right language to use. So just keep that in mind if you happen to be um, listening to the podcast and you're not actually an Indigenous person yourself. Uh, it's, It's those little things that we can do to be cognizant of our language and just make those tiny little shifts. But the other big thing, aside from that coming up really soon, um, it will be within a few days of this podcast releasing, I believe, is that it is a big time to stop and think. And anyone who follows me on social media, you'll notice that every once in a while I post about how it shouldn't be the only day of the year that we're thinking about these things. It shouldn't be the only day of the year that we're talking about these things. But at least it's something. Because for years and years and years, we had nothing um, outside of June. And June was the month that we recognized our Indigenous peoples. We have um, a day in June that's kind of more the focus of recognizing Indigenous in Canada. But the the difference of the Truth and Reconciliation Day is it's more focused on the residential schools, survivors of residential schools, and the impact and lasting legacy of the residential schools. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that I did an episode a while ago on the residential schools, and that's been out for a while. I'll link it up again in the show notes if you need the link to go back to it, but it's also, if you just scroll down, you'll you'll find it pretty easily. So I'm not going to go into the history of the residential schools in the same way that I did in that episode. If you want more of that information, you can go there. But I'll reference some of that information because the day that's the purpose of, of the day in terms of how it was set up from the government anyway and recognizing our Indigenous communities. But 
what I really wanted to kind of talk about is more what is the purpose of this day and how are you approaching it? As anyone who's been paying attention to the news at this time of the recording, Queen Elizabeth II has just died. That was just recently, um, just her funeral was just this past uh, Monday, and there was a, in most countries, and, and Canada included, um, there was a national day of mourning for her. And I recognize the Queen in the sense that I think that she's a person. Obviously, I don't know her personally, and so I can't say from personal experience. But the impression that I get, and and seems to be the impression that many people around the world have of her, is that as a person, she was a really wonderful woman. Um, and and so in terms of the loss as um, a grandmother. Um, as a great-grandmother, as, as a woman who did seem to live her life over, in terms of interacting with people well and fair, that does seem to be the case. However, the flip side of that is she was also the Queen of England. She was the head of the monarchy of England, which was responsible for colonization of not only Canada but many other countries around the world that have experienced colonization as far as the British coming and essentially taking over. So that's India, that's many of the Caribbean islands, um, America even to a certain extent, even though they're kind of more separate now in terms of the politics anyway. And, and there's many others that I'm, I'm not even listing right now. So the thing that is really nice to see that some news outlets are doing is starting to have the conversation around the complicated nature of the Queen's legacy. As I said, as far as the loss of, of, uh, of a person of, of great um, import and, and that you know those closest to her care deeply about, I am sorry for their loss. My, my own grandmother, uh, who I was closest to, passed away this past year and this coming November will be one year since she passed over to the spirit world and so I understand that grief from a personal relationship level but what I think we also need to recognize in terms of how that was handled as far as the discussions around the queen's passing and the national day of mourning and how all those pieces came together is that her legacy is unfortunately not completely straightforward. And just like all of us, we have good and bad to us. We have made mistakes in our lives. No one is perfect. And I'm not trying to say that we should hold her to a standard of perfection. But one thing that I heard in the news again and again and again was the mention of the length of her reign, which was seven decades or 70 years that she was in power. And yes, someone can probably say, well, you know, the monarchy doesn't have that big of a role to play anymore. They're basically just figureheads. And I don't fully agree with that statement. But even let's say we say the last about 20 years to be to be just easy that, you know, she's been more of a figurehead. She hasn't been fully involved in the politics. If that is true, we'll just leave it at that. That still leaves her with 40 to 50 years of reign where she assumedly 
had a fair bit of say and power in terms of what happened, in terms of what the monarchy did. So when we think of it from that perspective, then my question is, did she actually use her privilege and her power to the best ability that she could? Could she have stepped in earlier to make changes to how things were done? Because remember, the last residential school in Canada was closed in the 1990s, okay? That's just before the turn of the century, the turn of the millennia, right? So that means that for most of her reign, residential schools were still present in operation and running. I'm not saying that the queen was solely responsible for these things. However, as the monarch, as the official head of state of Canada and other places that had similar programs may not have been called residential schools, but were something like that. A lot of the places in the States called them boarding schools for, for uh, usually the terminology was boarding schools for Indians, right? It was still that old terminology for a long time. What role could she have played to change that sooner? To step in and say, you know what, there's, there's something wrong here and perhaps we could be doing something differently we could be changing things but nothing changed things stayed the same and it wasn't until just two years ago that we finally started hunting around at the old residential school sites and doing radar and all these other methods of finding um, the remains of those children that's only been recently right they've been there for a long time so the point I'm trying to make there is what role perhaps could she have played differently that she didn't take advantage of when she was in power? Um, again, even arguing the fact that she's more been a figurehead the last, you know, however long you want to pick in terms of how that works. So those are the kinds of things that I think we should be having conversations around, especially with truth and reconciliation coming up at the end of September. What are the things that we can do collectively if, we're, if you're saying that you are an ally of Indigenous peoples, of um, people of colour, whatever that may be, how are you being an ally? Are you really stepping up and, and asking these hard questions? Or are you picking convenient times? And I'm not trying to judge anyone. Um, it, none of this is easy and that's kind of the point. If you're actually serious about anti-racism, anti-oppression work, then you have to start to ask yourself and others the hard questions. Because if you don't feel at least a little bit, and I would argue a lot, especially if you are someone who is, um, cis, hetero, white, privilege, uh, that you walk through this world with that lens and that's been your experience your whole life, then you need to be asking really tough questions and, and seeing how you can step up. Because if you're saying, if you're, you're wearing an orange shirt and you're saying that, yes, I support this and this is terrible and this is a horrible chapter of our history in Canada and around the world where it's, it hasn't just happened in Canada, but obviously as I've said before, I'm Canadian, so that's what I know 
uh, best. And that's what really my, my experience comes from and where I feel comfortable speaking from. But you need to ask yourself, am I just wearing that orange shirt because it's orange shirt day, because it's truth and reconciliation day? Or am I actually finding ways that I can step up in a bigger way and ask, how can I help? How can I change? And perhaps it's just literally asking yourself those questions. Maybe that's where you're ready for. Again, this is not, my point here is not to judge you or to tell you to judge yourself, but to evaluate how you're thinking, what you're thinking about, and how you can start to shift and change those things. Because remember, the concept of two-eyed seeing is looking at the world through both eyes and starting to create that better mind, that better way of thinking that allows you to see both perspectives. I'm not saying one is superior to the other. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But if you can even attempt to try and put yourself in the position of someone who has been left out, who has been ostracized, who has walked through this life from the day they were born, feeling different then and being treated different then and being given um, certain labels. And, you know, we talk about different terms in terms of um, just calling someone an Indian, you know, if you're, what's, what's some of the language you're still using that may be out of date and starting to update that. So you're saying things like indigenous instead of Indian or something like that. And I'm not trying to say that I speak for every single indigenous person out there. We're all different. We're all unique in terms of what terms we're comfortable with and what we're not comfortable with. So again, feel you know, if you're in that space and you can ask those questions and you're being invited to ask your questions, ask your questions. What's the proper word I should use here? What's the proper term I should use here? And that's how you can start to step up and be a better, more effective ally if that's what you're actually aiming for. Instead of just being someone, oh yeah, I'm an ally because I wear an orange shirt once a year. That is not true allyship. That is not the kind of thing that's going to make actual real changes in terms of the landscape of Canada and the landscape of the globe going forward. Because when we just pay lip service, we don't get anywhere effectively. And that's what I really want each of you, if you're ready for this, if that's what you're saying, I'm stepping up in this role. I really want you to think about that, particularly if you are... Um, Self, self-claiming the identity of being an ally to various groups who are, um, are oppressed. But obviously I'm speaking a little bit more to our Indigenous communities and the experiences that we've had as far as colonization and the residential school program and the long-lasting effects of things like the Indian Act and all those kinds of things, which have still have not changed uh, to, to, to date, right? And we're still uncovering mass grave sites at various residential school sites. So this is not done. We haven't uncovered half the documentation. There's so many things that are still yet to be done. And so there's still plenty of opportunity for you to step up and support 
in whatever capacity you are capable of right now. I'm not saying that you have to go and change the world all by yourself. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what you can do is the little things. And where you're capable to step up beyond that, step up beyond that. And really start to question these kinds of things. When you see others, especially others of, you know, non... Because it's, it's usually how it goes. If you happen to be in a space that's more Euro-white-centric um, and you hear that kind of language or you hear those kinds of points of views, you have the opportunity to ask those questions. You can actually say, you know, should we be saying things that way? Can we talk about this? Can we have a conversation about this? And start to change the conversation. Because often in those spaces people of color, people who are indigenous, people who are quote-unquote other are often either not invited or they certainly do not feel comfortable or safe in those spaces. And there's still plenty of places like that. One thing that we didn't touch on as much in the residential school episode was the whole, um, which I, I honestly think I will probably do a whole episode on it, is murdered and missing women and, and children in, in Canada Again, something that was just very, very recent that popped up on uh, on my Instagram feed and I was sharing it on, on my stories was about a young woman who left Nunavut to go to, I believe it was Ottawa, to get trained in nursing. And within a week, she wasn't even there a full week, she hadn't even started classes, she hadn't started her training, and they found her body within a week of her arriving. She had left her home. She was far away from home in order to get trained as a nurse. I imagine she was probably planning to return to her home community to help her community. Or even if she wasn't, it doesn't really matter. The point is she was heading out to make a better life for herself and her community by serving as a healthcare provider and someone decided that her life was not important enough to to be here that she wasn't as good as she was less than and so what did it matter if her life was extinguished someone else made that decision for her within a week of her arriving in the city so when we think that these things are done when we think these things are past when we think these things are ancient history we need to really wake up and recognize it's not. It is not ancient history. It is not done. It is still going on every single day. We still have more women and children disappearing. We still have more people experiencing the effects of colonization. We still have people experiencing day-to-day active racism all over this country. We are not immune to these things. They're not completed. They're not done. We need to stand up and do better. We need to support each other to do better and be better. Because if we don't, things will stay the same. They will not change. And Canada will not be the country that we so proudly say that it is. I, when I was younger, I would happily wear a Canada flag with pride and be so proud to say that I was Canadian. 
because even though I grew up with being exposed to my culture, being in our communities, I didn't fully understand because I'm a white passing individual, what it truly meant to be a indigenous person who looks indigenous walking through this world. And now I can't say that I'm always proud to be Canadian. I can't say that easily because it's complicated. There are aspects of it that I definitely am proud of it, but there's also tons of aspects of it that I'm not proud of. And those are the parts that I really hope we can examine and look at and start to change for the better. With that, I'm going to wrap up the episode. But I want you to really think, especially as September 30th comes, what is something, doesn't have to be everything, but what is at least one thing that I can do today, tomorrow, the day after that, that is actually showing up as a true ally, as a true support to people that have to deal with this kind of thing day to day because they don't get to just take off their shirt tomorrow and say, oh, well, okay, I'm done with racism for today. I guess we're good until next year. That's not the experience of the average individual. They deal with it day in, day out, and they don't get to take a break. They don't get to stop. And I'm not saying this to make, again, that's not my point, is to make you feel bad. My point is to make you think and encourage you to ask yourself, how can I do things better? So with that, I hope that we can all think about these little souls who are lost far too soon as September 30th comes around and pray for them and put tobacco down for them participate in ceremonies where that's uh, appropriate and and that's possible and really ask ourselves how can we do better and I think that is where we will really start to see a Canada that we can all be proud of. Take care everyone and bama pee. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review at iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.